Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. Today I've got the great pleasure of introducing our guest, Archbishop Charles Jason Gordon, Bishop of the Archdiocese of Port of Spain in Trinidad and Tobago. So a little off the continent. We're very excited to have our first international guest. And without further ado, I want to welcome the Archbishop and have him just say a little bit about himself and a little bit about the Archdiocese of Port of Spain. So Archbishop Gordon, welcome to Chattachesis. Well, you know, the first thing, Matt, is that people are going to be geographically challenged. (laughs) Where is Trinidad and Tobago? Is this one country, two countries? What is this? So we are twin island republic. We're just off the coast of Venezuela. So if you think of that chain of islands starting just off of Miami with Cuba, coming all the way down with the last island down, we're seven miles away from Venezuela, our closest point. Mm-hmm. And so the southernmost island in the Caribbean. And yes, the Caribbean is that wonderful place. We wouldn't <laughs> mention the kind of weather we have outside now, but it's just wonderful and glorious. Yeah. So the Archdiocese is um, Trinidad and Tobago, two islands, and we are 1.4 million people, 280,000 Catholics. And the Catholic religion is the largest on, on our island, but we are 16% um, Hindu and 5 or 6% Muslim. And uh, we also have Baha'i and, and uh, Anglican, Presbyterian, Pentecostals, and, and a full gamut of, of other religions. Mm-hmm. And so it's a real experiment on interreligious dialogue. Mm-hmm. One of our, um, our first local archbishop right after the Second Vatican Council really spearheaded the interreligious dialogue in an organization called IRO, Interreligious Organization. And it's, that has been um, really a, a blessing to be able to have people of different faiths speak together about critical issues in society. Mm-hmm. Now, Archbishop, you, did, you feel well, comfortable with interre- did you feel comfortable with interreligious dialogue coming into this Episcopal role? You know, my, my best friend in, in secondary school was a, was a, a Muslim, mm-hmm. um, and he invited me home by him to celebrate his, his um, big feast days when we were growing up, as I invited him. Um, since then, he became a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my sister had a her, um, her maid of honor was a, a Hindu and, and was, was a Muslim also and, and became a Catholic also. So, yeah. you know, growing up in Trinidad, you're never very far from people of other faith. Mm-hmm. Um, the same guy who became a Catholic, he won the religious prize um, in, in Form 5, which is our, our senior year, um, in, in religious education wow. as, as a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we have, it's the beauty of having an island that is, that, that, that where the geography pushes us to relate a lot together. 
And so we've, we've always had, had that, um, that going for us. I was parish priest of a community called Gonzales, which is a, a very small village where we had a, quite a, a bit of gun and gang violence. And in that community, I pulled all the leaders together of every faith and every kind and, and had a working relationship with leaders to bring resolutions to the community. So that kind of conversation is not, um, is not foreign to me. Mm -hmm. You were mentioning the two people that came into your family and into your life that converted from another religion to Catholicism. It sounds like you have, you're having quite an effect on people around you. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, but it, it, it's the way that, you know, so both of them went to, to Christian schools mm -hmm. and um, married into Catholic into married Catholics. And, and in that process, because of their formation, kind of really rethought what do I really believe and what, where do I want to believe and, and um, became Catholics, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is um, part of the joy of living in a wonderful country like, like this, where we, we actually get to talk to each other in meaningful ways and have great friends mm -hmm. across religions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I really appreciate that. And, uh, Certainly the new directory for catechesis really uh, talks about the need for ecumenism and interreligious dialogue. And here it is just woven into the fabric of society where you are. So mm -hmm. uh, that is a blessing because uh, it's definitely an art and a skill too. So mm -hmm. to kind of grow up with that. Um, yes. Yes. That's beautiful. The last um, a week ago, I had 12 people at a meeting of all different faiths mm -hmm. um, and speaking about education and uh, where, where we stand in religious, um, well, denominational education, all of us go in schools, mm -hmm. and we are talking through some common challenges that we're having. So there are also very practical reasons why we, why we come together. During the COVID time last year, there was a group of Christian leaders, and we met um, about six or seven times during that period, again, talking through practical um, things that we were all concerned about, that um, brought us together. And, and it's a nice thing about being Archbishop of Port of Spain, people kind of defer to the Archbishop as the religious um, figurehead of the country. And uh, um, so it allows the role, if you understand it, to be used in a very positive way for mm -hmm. building unity Bridges, among yeah. different people. Absolutely. That's a beautiful uh, uh, situation and story you shared. So thank you for that introduction. And um, uh, again, we won't talk about the weather that you always enjoy, but thank you for sharing that uh, beautiful story about interreligious dialogue. I want to, uh, for our listeners now, I want to dive into a wonderful little book that I came across on Amazon that you had written, published in 2019, called Teach Us to Pray, a little book on Christian prayer. And it is a little book, but it doesn't mean it's not without great meaning and impact. Uh, and I've got a few questions for you. And again, thank you for your time. It's always nice to speak with an author and get their point of view. So why don't we start as our launching off point, right at the beginning of the book, even in the introduction, you make mention that prayer, which we all know is our lifeline as Christians, as disciples, it's our relation, it's the, the very blood, the lifeblood of our relationship with God. And it's something that we can access and are called to access all of the time. You say prayer is not first about techniques, but disposition and relationship. 
found that fascinating. Mm. Can you say a little bit more about that? Sure. You know, people do a lot of reading about prayer without actually praying. Mm -hmm. and, and people are always terribly worried if they're getting their praying right. Mm. Um, and so it, it becomes more complicated than it actually should become. Mm -hmm. If you see prayer first and foremost as a relationship, then that changes the whole disposition that, mm -hmm. you, that you have. Um, how do you approach a friend and how do you build a relationship with a friend? Mm -hmm. By communication. Right. And, and when you call a friend, what is your disposition? Is it, um, I, I want this, I need this, um, give me this, um, please, you forgot to give me that yesterday, and, and could you give me this now? Is that the disposition? And hurry no. up, would you? And, 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 and please, I have a, a deadline for, for okay. these requests, and, and you're way over time. That's mm -hmm. not the disposition. Mm -hmm. The disposition of the friend is, hi, how are you doing? Um, how is it going? How, how, is, how is life? You know, this was happening with me what's happening with you and 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 it's it's more of a checking in to a relationship and a recognition of the the mutuality of this relationship and and the, the specialness of this relationship that that ought to have time given for its building up and its maintenance and and it's moving forward and any relationship that we have that we don't spend time with doesn't grow right and our relationship with God is no different. Right. So if, if we want our relationship with God to grow, then we check in and we spend time. And, and, and that's the disposition. And I, I think that that's, that's what is most important. Not to try and get it right. You're not going to get it right. Um, there's no right and wrong way. Mm -hmm. The way that, that, that Deacon Matthew prays and the way that I pray might be totally different, but they might both be right for each of us. Well, I tend to levitate when I pray. I don't know about you. Well, well, well that might be absolutely right for you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> not for me. No, not for me. I, not for me either. That's not for me. I want to jump back, go back to a, a word, a phrase you used just a bit ago. You said, check in. I really like that. And, and to me, it conjures up um, ideas of, of Ignatian, uh, like an examen, a daily examen, yes. and checking in with God. Is that something you had in mind while writing this book? So at the end of the book, um, I, I offer a couple ways of praying mm -hmm. as examples that we have tried and tested over the, over the history of Christianity. And, and when I talk to young people, I tell them, you know, um, I, like, I like old prayers. Um, I'm not too sure about these young things that they, that they talk to. There's only five or 20 or 25 or 50 years old. So, so my old prayer would be Lexio Divina um, yeah. that came up in the early church. Mm -hmm. that, that's nearly 2,000 years old where, where you, you read the text um, for Lexio, the reading, the meditatio where you meditate on it, the contemplatio where, where you're now in the text and, and, and living with the text. And, and then the, the acts way where you, you are responding to, to the prayer and the contemplation. The, the just younger than that would be Christian meditation, which is 1,600 years old. Mm -hmm. and, and John Cassian wrote several treaties as a desert father on um, this form of meditation, which has been retrieved by the Christian meditation um, movement 
World Community for Christian Meditation. There's an app for that. Um, and uh, that one is, is now silence and one word, Maranatha, which is the come Lord Jesus from Revelations 21. So with every breath, you are breathing and, and begging Christ to come. And, mm -hmm. and the beauty in that, that we're praying is it's, you, it's not about anything that you're doing. Is you just being still and begging Christ to come. Mm -hmm. the, the third one, which is a little bit younger, I mean, terribly young, I suppose, is only 500 years old, is the Ignatian prayer of the examine. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I strongly recommend the examine for an evening prayer mm -hmm. or night prayer. The last thing in the day, you, you do the examine. I, I say it's a gym for conscience. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to gym for your muscles. Well, if you want to build conscience, consciousness and values and character the examine is a gym and if you if you check in there every day you you start seeing in real time the the stupidness that you're doing as it's coming in in, in flow and and you can say oops i've seen that before right and this is deja vu now so you you, you start picking up in in real time and, and being able to do correctives and, and that's how you grow in consciousness, conscience, virtues, values, character. Mm -hmm. and, and so I highly recommend the examine as a way of praying. And again, if I take the examine, that's about six conversations. Mm -hmm. And the first conversation is what is there about today um, for which I have gratitude? And now science teaches us and has realized that when you start to think in terms of gratitude, something has, happens in the brain that actually brings very positive reactions and makes you into a, be a much better person. Mm -hmm. And that, that, So neuroscience now knows what Ignatius knew 500 years ago without that. But he just knew from prayer and from his experience, when you, when you review your day with gratitude, you start seeing things that you didn't see before. Mm -hmm. and, and therefore things open up before your eyes and you start to see the blessings of the day that you might not have seen as you're running through the day in all the helter skelter. And, yeah. and then when was I um, the best or, or not the best of me? And was it one big moment that happened, positive or negative? What do I need to ask forgiveness for? And each of these are sequence of conversations that take you somewhere in, in your relationship with Christ. I really, I really love what you're saying, Archbishop, and uh, thinking through the Lexio Divina process, and especially that contemplatio, the idea of what you just said, we start to see things we don't see. Um, one might describe that as we kind of get out of our own view of things and start right. to have God's eye view of yes. things, where we start to see, like you said, the blessings, but we also see where we need to work, uh, develop, grow, uh, we mm -hmm. see where there's darkness that needs some light, uh, et cetera. So um, very good start to this conversation. I really appreciate that. And you also made me think of one of my favorite saints moving from Ignatian to Carmelite spirituality, Teresa of Lisieux, and, oh. and her beautiful single word prayer of the name of Jesus. And just yes, Jesus. And that it all in what a meditation. Self, well, exactly. And you get that, you have the disposition there, you have the relationship yeah. there, through right. the name, everything is right there. Absolutely. And, and that's why prayer doesn't have to be complex. I mean, uh, you have the rosary. You know how many saints have been made just praying the rosary? How many? You know, it, lots of saints. 
And, and prayer doesn't have to be complicated or mm -hmm. sophisticated. What it has to be is a rhythm in your life and a disposition of a friendship mm -hmm. and a desire to build and cultivate that friendship and to grow in that love and allow that love to grow in, in, in you. And, and that's really what I'm trying to communicate to people that, that, you know, a Christian without prayer is like a fish outside of water. Mm -hmm. we, we can't be disciples of Jesus Christ without a, a life of prayer. Right. It, just before COVID, I, I went into public schools and met with, with um, teenagers. So these would be from 13 to 16 year olds. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes I'd meet 400 of them. And um, I'd have a morning with them. And I would do, I'd start off with, with the, the, the Christian meditation. I set the timer for five minutes. And just a, a brief explanation, sit down with your back straight, notice your breath, and uh, um, say the word, Maranatha. You break it into syllables. And I say, you'd hear the timer, you'll hear the gong, and just, if you get distracted, come back to the word, the breath, or the posture. At five minutes, the gong would go. The children would open their eyes, shake their head, close their eyes, and continue along. Mm -hmm. And most times, I would leave them for another three minutes. Mm -hmm. In absolute and very profound silence. Mm -hmm. What we haven't realized is we are, we are living in a generation that has not cultivated silence at all. Mm -hmm. And when they're given the opportunity for a meaningful silence, they relish in it. I think our young people are far more capable of prayer than we are giving them mm. access to or credit for. Mm -hmm. and, and because they don't have the access, then they don't have the relationship with Christ. Then they're leaving at 13, 14, and 15 because they don't have a, a, a working relationship with Christ that they can trust. And, and I really feel very strongly that the most important thing we can do is give people a way of relating to God on a daily rhythm and routine that becomes part of your life. I, I absolutely agree. And, and that's a wonderful segue uh, into a final question I would like to ask, because we are getting a little close to the end and you have so much, uh, just a wealth of insight here. And we'll get to this question by jumping off of the um, last point you made about young people. I definitely think, I, I agree with you that young people struggle uh, to be in silence and to sit with oneself, uh, to discover oneself in the silence. And I think that difficulty is connected to another difficulty of young people, which is their difficulty of uh, being in the presence of others and not social media, not artificially mediated, right. but in oh. the presence of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that self-discovery through the other is connected with one's own discovery through silence. Yes, because all of their, all of their relationships are now mediated through technology. Mm -hmm. So much of the relation, and, and COVID has made this so much worse mm -hmm. because as, as children have not had all of the recreation or educational contact with their peers, they, it, it has become a lot, a lot worse. But again, what I see is if you introduce young people, they take to it mm -hmm. and they want it. And, and I would meet them after and they say, have you ever tried that? Say, yes, I have. And I, and I do. And I, I think it's something that we, we have underestimated. Mm -hmm. the, the, the spiritual 
richness of our church and tradition that we have. And, you know, we have our people living like vagrants, eating on scraps, mm -hmm. rather than living off of the real banquet of prayer that the church offers. And, and I really am trying my best to help people see that there is a gourmet meal here waiting for you. And, and yes. let me sharpen up your taste buds to appreciate this meal. Right. Babette's Feast. Uh, what a wonderful Babette's film. Feast. Yes. Babette's uh, Feast. So we jump into the final question, which is challenges to prayer. Uh, there are plenty of challenges out there and temptations. You, you talk about those in your book. Can you name mm -hmm. a couple of those? And then, of course, everybody listening wants to know, how do we navigate those challenges? So the first challenge, and I, and I constantly tell people, you know, if you think of, a, of any field, um, soccer or, or American football field, you, you think of a level playing field. It's not. It, it's, actually, it's actually like this. It's, it's actually up, up a hill. And, and where you want to score your goal is, is actually up the hill. And, and that's how it starts. Because our inclinations and our, our natural dispositions aren't towards Christ in the beginning. And, and God helps us along that with consolation. And uh, we, we then start to mistake the cons consolation for actually good prayer. And therefore, when we don't have the consolation, we then say, oh, um, we, I did not have good prayer today. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. Good prayer is you turning up, checking in, and, and doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. The result of it is really up to God. And, and we should not look at the results of the prayer from that perspective. The real result of prayer is the transformation, the inner transformation of, of our character, our depth, our openness to God in the, in the longer run. The, the single point of prayer is learning how to bend my heart to God's will. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's a single point of prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's a single point of the relationship with God the Father, God's Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's a single point of it. And, and, and in learning to bend my heart to God's will, I sometimes have to do that when I'm going uphill mm -hmm. and against, against gravity. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's just part of the training. You get on a treadmill, and do you keep it flat? No. You, you put it up, up, up oh, hill and walk. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you're goofing off. You put it up hill, and you, 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 you push into it yep. because you want to build. You want to build muscle. You want to build capacity. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is the belief that consolation is really the fruit. Mm -hmm. God gives us consolation to help us along. But, you know, when he withdraws the consolation, it's actually the sign that we are actually growing up. And, and when consolation starts to disappear and desolation comes, we, we, you need to do two things. First, ask yourself, did I do anything really bad that I should repent of and I need confession for? That's the first question to ask. And if you can't find that, then um, am I tired or sick or not in a good health state? And if the answer to that is also, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Then smile, put a big, big smile on your face and say, wow, daddy realizes I'm growing up and he's starting to treat me a little more like an adult. This is a great thing. Let me press on into this. 
and and you turn up for prayer and you don't in a time of desolation you do not change anything that you are doing any commitment you've made if you want to change it you make it more never less so you want to increase your time in prayer why because that's when the muscles are actually going to be building really really great and that's when the real interior transformation goes much much deeper because you're not feeling it you're actually doing it as an act of love and an act of devotion which is a much purer motive you know if you're a parent and, and you have many many kids and they only love you when you're giving them things then you know you haven't taught them what you need to teach them mm-hmm. you want to see them starting to love and give when they're not getting anything back in return and that's when they start to grow up and become real adults and, and, and start to, to, to form their own character and, 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 and put skin in the game in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what the time of desolation is about. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say, if you have a time of desolation, smile and just keep going. God is going to use it to do amazing things. Well, you heard it here, listeners. There's no getting around it. You got to develop those spiritual muscles. Archbishop, remind me never to go jogging with you if you're always climbing inclines and running fast. <laughs> that is not me. Uh, but you're right. We do have to develop that spiritual muscle. And we do that when there's resistance. And we do that when there's gravity. We do that when there's time of, of desolation. And those are the times to dig in. And I really, I think you're view of this, which is very affirming, is to see oneself as growing up, uh, growing up spiritually. And I, I think that... You know, the nice thing, Matt, is, is that when you've gone past the desolation, what happens then is like, like the, the breeze is now behind your back, mm-hmm. taking you mm-hmm. and carrying you in ways that you can't ever imagine because a, a burst of grace comes out of that that, that takes you into a much deeper place in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that makes every bit of desolation seem like child's play by comparison to the grace that comes out of it. Well, Archbishop, this has been a tremendous chat with you. Uh, I want to thank you. Uh, we've been chatting with Archbishop Charles Jason Gordon, Bishop of Archdiocese of Port of Spain in Trinidad and Tobago, our first international guest. And if you're just now tuning in, he's been a gem with a lot of wisdom about prayer and talking about his uh, little book published in 2019, Teach Us to Pray, a little book on Christian prayer, which you can find in Amazon stores. Archbishop, I always ask the guests at the end if they'd offer myself and our listeners a blessing. Would you be so kind? In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that you called us first. And you grace us with everything that we need to build our relationship with you. And you give us grace upon grace that sometimes we can't even see. I pray that for everyone who has listened, that an awakening of heart may happen. And a a grace to desire to be with you more and to be more steadfast in prayer. And to enter into deeper places with you. That you may awaken in our hearts a real desire for being with you, knowing you, loving you, and serving you. We make our prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you once again, Archbishop. That's been a pleasure. And this has been another episode of Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback. Uh, Deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines and Executive Director of Catechesis for William H. Sadlier. We will chat with you next time. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Christo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.